how, how much success am I going to have relative to my own uh, growth aspirations tied to that and tied to the fact that there's a host of cultural elements that I don't bring and things are more like traditional business culture elements I would be like you know I don't play golf uh, whatever you know a, a, a host of other things I haven't gone to the schools that you know maybe some of these uh, folks may have gone to or may not have the same club affiliations you know whatever that might be then like hey I'm clearly different and, and to what extent will my merits and personality and you know whatever comes with my package be uh, uh, good enough uh, you know to keep growing so I definitely felt that and you could think of that as pressure if you will in terms of hey you know some level of, of doubt on that front Dímelo mi gente what up what up what up Welcome to another episode of the Key and Duetis podcast, where we talk about the conflict that many of us face between authenticity and professionalism. You already know this is brought to you by Plural, and I'm your host, Pavel Martinez. This now, before getting into the full episode, let me give you a quick little bio on Ivan so that you know him a little more before we get into the full conversation. Ivan is the chief business officer at Yahoo, where he oversees the unit's B2B business. He leads the unit's effort to create more meaningful and valuable relationships between consumers, publishers, and marketers. He brings over 20 years of strategic and operational experience in ad and marketing technology and has a strong passion for transforming businesses. To get Ivan's full bio, be sure to check out the show notes. Now that you know a little bit more about him, let's get into the episode. Cool. Uh, yeah, let's start off where we always start off. Uh, I mean, authenticity is such a buzzword. And I feel like we often don't get a chance to actually define it for ourselves. And everyone has their own definition for it. What, is, what does it mean to you? What, what do you think about when the word authenticity is mentioned? Yeah, um, to me, it's reasonably simple, which is just being who you are in every sense, in a 360 way. So who you are in terms of your roots, who you are in terms of what you like, what you don't like, you know, who you are in, in terms of your passions and how you think about business and how you think about life. And, you know, of course, being respectful and sensitive to how other people see life, you know, to, to other people's authenticity as well, right? And part of that authenticity is your sensitivity to some of our, you know, collective differences. Yeah. And I'm sure that that has a little bit of that definition has probably changed throughout your life. But you mentioned such a powerful word, like your roots. Tell me, where are your roots? Like, where are you from? Where you, where's your family from? Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, so I was born there, uh, grew up uh, there, fortunately had a chance to travel a little bit. Uh, and then when I started my career, um, Actually, my first job was my own company. When I was a teenager, I DJed. I was a mobile DJ, and I did that throughout college and, and, and so on. I loved it, and it's still part of my life. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I started calling my more uh, serious or more, more aligned with my college education and so on career, uh, I had a chance to uh, travel a bit. And then I came to the U.S. Uh, to study in uh, 2000. I thought I would save some money and go back home. And, uh, you know, the economy in Argentina just tanked and I had a, an awesome opportunity here. And one thing led to the other. And here I am 21 years later. 
<laughs> I love that. I love how one of your first jobs is actually being a DJ. Like what led you to even want to be a DJ in the first place? Well, I loved music. I was not a good musician. <laughs> and I, I wanted to, you know, buy a lot of music and I didn't have enough money to buy the amounts of music that I wanted to buy. So I figured that, you know, being a DJ would give me a, a chance to do that. Um, so I started doing it and people started liking it. And then I got hired in clubs and started having, you know, a bunch of other jobs pop up and hiring other DJs to work for me and so on. So before I knew it, I was employing 12 mobile DJs in different places and whatnot. So it was a lot of fun, particularly being really young because, you know, I started when I was 14 um what? and i would say that yeah so what were, and, and, what were you were you djing quinceañeras like what were you doing <laughs> yeah yeah so so you know in 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 argentina the quinceañeras are called fiesta de quince um yeah. so uh, i was definitely doing a bunch of those and also like uh school parties uh like high school parties and there were a lot of like fundraisers where it would be like a fashion show or things like that where i would be you know djing for that and then then I started DJing in, in clubs um, and, uh, and, you know, doing a mix of like mobile DJing and clubs. That is so fascinating. So you're telling me if, if your career wasn't in media, you'd probably be like Steve Aoki or something. There you have it. There you have it. And look, I still DJ. This last Friday, I DJed for our, for our company. So uh, I, I did a quick, you know, hour long set uh, live stream. It was called Seasons of Love. And it was kind of celebrating some of the summer and winter and so on. And all of the songs in the, uh, in the set had love in it. Um, so that was part of it. And it was mostly house, house music. The fact that you called it a set means you're like a true DJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It's so interesting that you are like, even so at 14, you started DJing. And now just in your executive leadership role, like you're still comfortable DJing. Like I find it so interesting because I always think of the example, um, and, and we spoke about this before, the um, CEO of Goldman Sachs, David Solomon. Yeah. Like he, he's also a DJ on the side and, you know, he just does it for fun. But there's one, yeah. there was a couple of years ago where the New York Times essentially outed him. And I remember he was getting pressure from his board of directors to stop being a DJ because they said, yeah. you know, it doesn't, go with the image of what an executive is supposed to look like. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially yeah, kind of yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah. Like, do you, do you think about those things? Like when you step in? Um, look, I, I think going back to your question on being authentic, a couple of things. One, probably call it 10 years ago, mm. uh, when I was earlier in my career, maybe I would have thought a little bit more about it. But even at that time, maybe I would have thought a little bit more about it relative to my uh, superiors, right? And maybe relative to our board or things like that. Hey, maybe you need to look more serious, more professional, or, you know, whatever that might be. But we are all humans. We all like to have fun and, you know, and, and, and mix uh, work and life and enjoyment and so on. And, and to me, music brings a very unique energy to life and everything that we do. I mean, for a reason, say in the ads business, you know, ads have some music, you know, and so on. It's like, it comes with, you know, it comes with, 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 with that as part of human emotion. So uh, I would say I, I worried a little bit more about that in the past, but in some ways it was also one of those things. And this also goes back to, you know, being a Latino in business and going back to our roots and so on. Something that is unique and interesting 
right? Because, you know, when you highlight that, even if some people might cringe a little bit or whatever that might be, there's for, for as many people who might cringe, there will be other people who would be like, oh, that's cool. And what music yeah. do you like? And, you know, and it creates this new bond on something that is unique about you. And similarly also, you know, when it comes to my roots, when I say Argentina, there may be some people who have traveled there or who like soccer or football, which is the way, you know, we call it in Argentina <laughs> and so on, who, you know, will connect with you on some of those things as well. Um, so anyways, maybe I over answered your question, but mm -hmm. I, I, I would say nowadays I really see it as an integral part of who I am. And, you know, when I was hired at, at, at Verizon as an example, everyone who heard me knew that I was doing this and it was almost like, okay, and when are you going to, you know, do your first set, right? <laughs> it was part of your contract. It was like, you have to DJ once exactly, a month. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I, I resonate with that because um, I, I feel like I've missed out on so many opportunities to build relationships with people because I, like you said earlier in my career, I would not share certain things, right? Um, I remember being at dinners with colleagues and I would be so quiet and I would like not talk about my weekends or I wouldn't talk about my passions. Um, and when I really started building relationships with people is when I said something, you know, for example, oh yeah, I was DJing this weekend. And there was this instant interest of, oh, well, I don't know any, like no one else on the team is a DJ. Tell me about what that life is like. Do you remember that first right. experience when you potentially opened up and started making those connections? Yeah, I, I think... Look, for, for me, the, the, the DJing, I, I'm going to kind of break this into two. For me, the DJing part has almost been a part of my life ever since, you know, 14. So, you know, when I came here, I mentioned I came here to uh, business school and so on. I would be the resident DJ in the business school parties and so on. So it was almost like everyone would know that I was a DJ and, you know, I, I, I even have it if you look at my bio and so on, you will see it somewhere there, right? So even when I was interviewing for jobs and so on, it would be on my resume. So whoever would pick it up, they would be like, oh, you were DJing, you know, and, and so on. So I don't think that there was ever a time where it was necessarily hidden, if you will, with the people that I was working with. Um, I would say maybe a little more of the other part that was a bit more... Um, closet it, if you will, would be, you know, I would be in meetings and people would look at me and they would look at my name and it's like Ivan and then uh, Markman is my last name and then the accent and they would try to figure out like where I was from, like are you Russian or, you know, like where are you from? So I would say that maybe a little bit more of that in terms of the roots and trying to connect the dots, maybe that was something that particularly in, in, I would say, more senior environments, it was just not discussed, right? It was more like, okay, we don't even wanna go there, right? Let's, let's talk business, do your presentation, you know, whatever that might be, and then go back and do your job and so on. I think that more recently, uh, I would say probably in the last, call it two to five years, it's become a bit more open in that sense. So I would say that from that standpoint, particularly in board level settings, like public company board level settings or, or things like that, it's become a little bit more, more open. And also quite frankly, a, 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 a topic of conversation, right? Because when you think about DNI and some of these topics and you go back five years, 
it wasn't really a, a, a board level type discussion topic, right? Yeah. What do you think are some of the major reasons why it's becoming a lot more apparent or a topic well, of conversation? I, I, I think personally, fortunately, um, a, a lot of events in terms of the last few years with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, a range of different aspects ranging from, you know, Me Too to Black Lives Matter and, you know, a host of issues like that within the U.S. brought it to the fore. Uh, and I would say in other countries for different reasons. And then, you know, some of these, given the scale of, say, media within the U.S. and elements like that, they also become a little bit more mainstream globally just around this where you see, you know, uh, Black Lives Matters, uh, 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 you know, people showing support in Germany, right? Or, you know, in a bunch of other countries, but, you know, on, on, on movements that maybe uh, uh, had more uh, eminence here and then kind of spread out and so on. Again, this, this could be unfair to the Germans, right? Because that I'm sure that there's a lot of, you know, history and other elements uh, there, but... Uh, I would say that more broadly it just became more of an agenda item uh, in the last couple of years as a result of all of that. Yeah, I mean, for sure, Germany is just, you know, insert any country within Germany that, that could yeah. be placed in there just to share that story. Yeah. No, that, that I agree. Um, I, I mean, I see it a topic of conversation everywhere. I mean, you even see um, institutions like NASDAQ, for example, like implementing policies, not yet, right, but they're proposing policies for public companies to have a certain number of board members be diverse, you know, whatever that means for them. Um, it's interesting. I, I've always wondered too, because, you know, there, there are levels of employees, right? They're like individual contributors, they're your managers, directors, and then, you know, there's like the C-suite and, and executives of, of, with that nature. Um, I'm wondering too, like at your level, right? There's not that many people that are Latino. Like, do you feel like a certain sense uh, of pressure on your end to, you know, just, just culturally or representatively um, in that space? Well, I would say a couple of things. One is um, I love the opportunity to be a voice and, and a sponsor uh, in any way that I can. So I would say that that is one. And, and to the extent that, you know, from a mentorship standpoint or support, just support standpoint, that there's anything I can do that is something that I really uh, appreciate. So more, more, more than pressure, I would say it's gratefulness, right? To, yeah. to be able to, to, to do that. Um, I do think that in some ways, and maybe not so much now where I'm at in my career, but again, I would say five to 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I would feel a sense of maybe lack of security or a challenge and so on, a, a little bit of, hey, am I going to be able to keep progressing? And, you know, am I going to, how, how much success am I going to have relative to my own uh, growth aspirations tied to that and tied to the fact that there's a host of cultural elements that I don't bring and things are more like traditional business culture elements. I would be like, you know, I don't play golf, uh whatever you know a, a, a host of other things i haven't gone to the schools that you know maybe some of these uh folks may have gone to or may not have the same club affiliations you know whatever that might be then like hey i'm clearly different and and to what extent will my merits and 
personality and you know whatever comes with my package be uh, uh, good enough uh, you know to keep growing so I definitely felt that and you could think of that as pressure if you will in terms of hey you know some level of, of doubt on that front yeah well yeah I mean that makes sense right because at your level you've you have such a track record at this point of of proving yourself and and in, in business etc and leadership I, I do want to go back since, since you've mentioned it just like to five, 10 years ago, tell me about that experience. Um, and just what that was like navigating this, this almost like a, a new culture. Yeah. Well, um, I think that for me, the, the, there were two or three things. One is, um, really focusing on results, right? So mm -hmm. really understanding like, what are the results that matter? Right, and then how do I drive those results in a way that are consistent with my principles and value? And how do I build partnerships um, uh, that that are mutually supportive, for lack of a better word? And I have to say, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful to my managers over the years uh, because you know I'll give you an example. Uh, my first manager coming out of school is just an amazing person. And uh, I will never forget that, you know, he took me to lunch for, 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 as part of my onboarding. And he was asking me about my experience in business school. And I told him about an onboarding that we had for international MBAs and that I had attended a baseball game. This was my first baseball game. And I don't know why I started going off on baseball and saying it's so boring. It's so slow. I don't understand how people can like this sport. And so I don't know why I... Yeah, you know, was so passionate about that. Anyways, we had a great lunch and you know, we went back to work. And then the following day, I went to lunch with uh, someone who has become a, a dear friend. He's Italian. And, uh, and we were talking about football and, you know, soccer and this and that. And I somewhat brought up this, this uh, lunch conversation. And he was like, oh, no, you know, your, your boss loves baseball. He's like a massive baseball fan. And sometimes I, oh, no, you know, in my first week on the job, I've already offended, you know, my, my, my boss. But I think he, you know, I think he was amazing in having that empathy and openness and so on. But also he was very much like results driven, right? Like, hey, you know, this is the impact that we're trying to have. And also, I think embracing, when I think back at that team, and so it was very diverse, uh, you know, he, he, he was an, uh, he is an Asian American, and, uh, you know, I think his family was very diverse and so on, but, uh, so maybe, you know, that may have helped a little bit, but in any case, the point being is that um, I think that one thing early on was focusing on results building partnerships that were based on principles. And again, as much as I didn't find any enjoyment in baseball and he loved baseball, right? We found a host of other things in common. He ended up coming to my wedding in Argentina a few years later and, and, and so on. So, you know, uh, and we've stayed like lifelong friends ever since. This is, you know, almost 20 years ago, right? So um, I would say focus on, on results. Uh, partnerships and once again going back to your to your um, earlier question on authenticity being authentic and respectful right which is what you expect of others which is be authentic and also be respectful and embracing 
Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. It's so funny, the baseball example, because I also, I think baseball is this, the, it's such a boring sport. It's so interesting, too, because baseball is like one of the only sports that um, doesn't have a time limit. And also every, so for example, if you're, in a, if you're in a soccer field, all the soccer fields are the same distance, right? The basketball course, they're the same distance. Tennis, same distance, same length of the court, et cetera. Football field, the same thing. Baseball's the only sport where a home run is different in Yankee Stadium compared to Mets Stadium compared to every, like, they're all different. There's no, like, uniformity in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, very unique. <laughs> so interesting. Um, okay, so baseball, that's, that's, one, that's one challenge that, that you experienced when you got here as well. Um, was there anything else when you, when you got here, and in particular more so, like, in the professional setting when you said, okay, well, not, not necessarily you, that you had to maybe hide who you were, but this, this is an adjustment. Yeah, look, I, I, again, I was completely blind and naive, if you will, to just elements of business culture. And look, some of this may be my own bad in terms of not doing more research about it and so on and being a little bit more intuitive around it. But, you know, I felt that uh, I, I did feel confidence in my ability to build and forge those relationships, right? But um, I had no idea about a ton of things around protocol and elements like that. And I'm sure that I messed up more than one time without even knowing it, right? So I think my, my constant kind of um, sense was a little bit of back to what I shared before is, am I doing this right? Like, am I, you know, am I having the right level of engagement uh, when we're going out as a team or when we are with clients or when we're doing things, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think my biggest challenge on some of the things was that without having the cultural background, say with clients as an example, mm -hmm. you know, someone who has grown up here, uh, uh, maybe they have grown up in the same city or, you know, they have been in a few cities and so on. When someone says, oh, you know, I studied in such and such school or I played in such and such sports team or whatever that might be, they will be able to connect a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that. So I needed some other way to be able to connect because I'm like, hey, you know, I just don't have it, right? Uh, nobody knows or, well, very few people would know within the U.S. what Universidad de San Andres is, right? Or you know, even where it is, right? So, um, so I think that that was something that was a challenge. So it was mostly trying to find points of connection. And, you know, there's lots of things like you can talk more about current events, but even when you talk about current events, having the sensitivity for, you know, people maybe connecting with those current events in different ways and also understanding that a lot of my views on current events might be uh, seen through the lens of, an Argentinian, right, as opposed to someone from the United States and so on. So I would say that those were the challenges. They, they have, they're not gone. They are still my challenges today, right? But I would just say that maybe with the years, I've become more comfortable with those uh, and more comfortable with, this goes back to your first point on authenticity and so on. It's like, hey, even if I don't have uh, a lot of those things, I will never have them. Right, but I may have some other things that are also valuable 
that maybe are not within the background or the way that other people are and so on. And those things are really, this is what makes us all as a, as, as, as a global community, you know, as human beings, more powerful, more enjoyable, you know, more uh, learning prone, you know, so many positive things, right? So it's like, how do you take all of the uh, kind of positive elements of that and really use them for something that is productive as opposed to maybe kind of shutting down and, you know, not just not connecting. Yeah, no, I, I completely uh, agree. I think finding those commonalities are, are powerful. I mean, the way that you move up in corporate America is, I mean, in my opinion, is sure, it's, it's results driven, you need to drive what matters, but also a big piece of that is just relationship building as well. You know, being able to be top of mind if an opportunity comes up, you know, and then yeah. pairing that with the results is, you know, how you move up. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny though, I don't know if you experienced this too, but going back to the baseball example, if I knew nothing about baseball and let's say my entire team was really passionate about baseball, I would spend weekends and even during the weekdays, if like a night game, I would spend like studying baseball. I was like, okay, what's a first base coach? What's a home run? What's all of these things? Um, and I think that's where I struggled early on was like, yes, like trying to keep up with current events, but in, in a way, like I was forcing myself to keep up with current events that didn't necessarily interest me as well. You know what I mean? So, so like that was a way to, to build relationships, but at the same time, it was like not the most authentic way. Whereas like, then I found myself finding current events that also interested me and making that relatable as well. So like I had to, had to sort of like struggle with the relatability and finding current events that didn't interest me and then finding like my own path. Did you struggle with that as well? Um, I would say not so much. So the way that I dealt with some of those things was, I'll give you an example. You know, we would play fantasy sports uh, with, you know, with, with teams in the office and so on. I would always lose. And sometimes I would win because random like you know like my picks were completely random oh i like this person or i like this player whatever that might be but i almost made fun of it right and it was like hey i'm going to prove that i can do better in fantasy sports than someone who actually knows a lot about it right <laughs> and that would be like the fun thing so i would say and again maybe maybe that wasn't one of my most effective strategies and so on but maybe call it laziness or whatever that might be that I'm like, okay, on the things that I don't know and I don't care as much about, I'll find a way to participate that is authentic to me and that may be fun or whatever that might be. And, and again, that it, 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 it will be fun without being like self-deprecating or, you know, accepting aggressions or whatever that might be, but really like, hey, I don't know much about this sport, but let's, you know, Let's play and, you know, let's see what happens when someone who knows nothing about it picks, you know, your, your fantasy picks relative to experts and how we do and have fun with it, right? And then, uh, and then I think more to your other point, continue to try to find points of connection on things that I would really be passionate about. So again, back mm -hmm. to music, like for me, music is a big one. So on music, I could be like, oh, you know, I love this and so I remember um, uh, one of uh, my, my first job coming out of uh, business school was at a company called Overture that had invented paid search. Mm -hmm. And on Fridays at 5 p.m., 
they would always play Crazy Train, you know, Ozzy Osbourne's, I think it's Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. And, and I would, it would be a lot of fun for the whole office and somebody would bring up topics around music and so on. And, you know, that, that would be something that, where I would totally connect with the team. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, music is the universal language, they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I think I, we, we can end it soon. I'll, I'll end with this last question. Um, first of all, I just want to say that it's, it's so cool that someone at your level um, is just comfortable being their authentic selves. I love the journey that you've come from as far as um, maybe not being as comfortable and confident to where you are now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if you realize this, but you just by simply being yourself are a mirror for other people. Like I'm sure someone looks at you and say, well, I can do that if, if he's doing it. So just want to say, I appreciate on behalf of me and the community. Um, I with this last question, um, you know, as you continue to look at your journey and continue to strive to be your most authentic self, what's one thing that continue to continues to inspire you and empower you to be your most authentic self? I, I, I think it's that, notion that as we all become more aware, uh, more open, more embracing, and more authentic, we can all be more powerful, right? We can all really, I mean, think about, some people call it your moment of genius and so on. Think about when you're at your best and everything that is involved with that. I think that authenticity is one of the core components of when you are at your best, right? Um, so what inspires me is, is that, right? And, and again, I don't think that being your authentic self is a constant, right? I think that over time that also changes, right? Because your passions change, you know, lots of things in your life change. So I think it's an ongoing quest, if you will. And the notion of connecting authenticity uh, with that moment of genius, if you will, and the power that it can unleash is something that inspires me. And I think it will inspire me forever, right? So uh, that, that, that would be the thing, if you will. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please do us a favor, leave a rating and a review. This just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible and it'll ultimately help us reach our mission of redefining professionalism. Thank you, and see you next week.